Well, hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and I'm here with William Gallagher, editor at Apple Insider. Thanks so much for joining me, William. Oh, thank you. And congratulations on the new format of the show. I think it's really going well. Thank you, William. I appreciate it. And uh, it's great to have you. Just appreciate your your wisdom and insight here on the podcast. Okay, I'll try to live up to that. (laughs) (laughs) So looking at the news this past week, you know, a lot of the biggest headlines just all over the news is obviously the coronavirus and how it's affecting everything, industries, economies around the world. And some of the most interesting parts, especially when it relates to tech, is the multiple developer conferences that have now been called off and are going either all digital or much smaller. And so just to give you a rundown, listener, if you're not aware of some of these that had canceled, uh, Adobe Summit, Mobile World Congress, and the 2020 Game Developers Conference, those have all been canceled as far as any kind of in-person or live conference, and they're going digital. And just this week, Google I.O. also canceled their developers conference. And Google had this statement, quote, out of an abundance of caution for the health and safety of our customers, partners, and employees, and in alignment with the best practices laid out by the CDC, WHO, and other relevant entities regarding the coronavirus, Google Cloud has decided to reimagine Google Cloud Next 20, the company said. And so what they'll be doing is offering keynotes, breakout sessions, and some digital learning sessions online, but there'll be nothing in person. And also Facebook canceled their F8 conference. So the big question is, will Apple make the call? Will they cancel WWDC this year? And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, William. And and just my quick take, unless something drastically changes uh, in the next week or two, I have to imagine they change at least the format. You know, they go to Apple Park, do it in the Steve Jobs Theater, maybe for local press only, maybe even Apple employees only. And they do the live stream and they do all the sessions online. They do not have the big conference. What do you, how do you, what do you think they're going to be doing, William? I think that covers it, really. I, actually, you can tell I'm a writer. I concentrate on phrases. I didn't know the Google quotes you just said. But then uh, out of an abundance of caution, I've heard those specific words said several times. Mm. Of this. Is there some sort of corporate rule book that they have to say it in a certain way to protect themselves? So I'm curious. But I bet you Apple says it too. So, uh, But yes, as to Apple Park, yes. I mean, we forget, I think, well, I, maybe I just me, that uh, WWDC isn't just those two hours of Tim Cook going, good morning, and all that. It's right. the entire week, and it's used. And uh, you can see very easily how they would uh, handle the keynotes, that they could do exactly what you said. Uh, they could even have Apple employees to make it crowded as ever, look visually the same to the world. But the rest of the week will not be the same if they have to cancel things. And that will have knock-on effects. These all will. Um, my only thought about them is a London book fair just got cancelled shortly before we started talking as well. Right. All sorts of events everywhere are going. And I worry about most of them. Um, London Book Fair is big, but it's not giant. Mobile World Conference is a little delicate. When they've been gone for one year, how are they going to be able to come back? I mean, Apple will easily, but some of these others may find that businesses don't need them as much as they thought. And mm. this could go on for years, this is. So. Right. And there's been a couple other pieces of news. One, Apple restricted some employee travel to South Korea and Italy. And so they are starting to tighten down on where their employees are going. Also, that some stores in Italy have had to temporarily close due to some of the Italian 
closures and the uh, president of the Council of Ministers issued a decree uh, last week. And so there's some closures there out of their control. But on the flip side, Foxconn just on Tuesday of this week, and you actually wrote this article on the website, that they plan to resume normal production Mm. by the end of the month. And I find that, uh, I don't know if it's optimistic or just extremely confident, but with the increasing cases around the world, that seemed maybe a little premature even to announce. But Tim Cook also said recently that he felt China had it under control. Uh, optimistic is the right word for this. Even as I was writing it, there's very little detail. They won't give any numbers. They wouldn't even say which plants were open. They just kind of let you assume it was all of them. And hopefully it is. But then, yes, they have the one figure they did give out is that they have seasonal workers and uh, over half of the number they would normally have have come back to work now. I don't know how low it got or how far they've got to go to reach the levels they would be at at the end of the month. I mean, 50% of what they would have now may not be the same as 50% of what they need at the end of this month as other things ramp up. So uh, they're saying nice things, but you kind of want to see how it pans out before we can really feel whether or not things are coming back to normal at all. There was also some talk of maybe Apple will postpone WDC for later in the summer, but I find that that would be extremely difficult, you know, because as soon as WDC, as soon as the first keynote happens at the WWDC conference, they release the betas to developers of iOS, macOS, tvOS, you know, watchOS, and to postpone WDC would push all those timelines uh, back, and that means even the release of maybe iOS 14, and then whatever plans they have for the hardware coming out in the fall that uh, coincide with those software updates would also be pushed. I can't imagine that they would postpone the entire conference as a whole. That's funny. As you were saying it all the way through, I was thinking that actually might not be a bad idea. That could work. Not be bad. And then when you say about the hardware, yeah. no, as soon as you hit the hardware, of course, uh, the next set of iPhones are going to need iOS uh, 13. I lost track there of where we were. 14. It'll Which be 14 coming 14, out thank you. We'll need... Four, 13 was the one that went difficult, uh, that had right. problems, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> right. Ironically, perhaps. Not right. sure that's the correct use of the word irony, but okay. Uh, yeah, 14's got to be ready. We've seen what happens when it isn't, uh, when the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro then Pro Max came out and 13 was not really finished, effectively. We saw the problems. So 14... Are being delayed you're right would push back hardware and that's you know i i have said this often i'm so impressed with any company apple samsung all of them that can physically make a device and then every year make something this complicated that involves parts from all over the world and it's all got to be timed with precision every single year you can see how one massive thing is going to be a huge derailment um you don't think Apple could possibly decide to bump the iPhone to next year? I find that would be the least likely thing to happen oh, at all. Except, actually, it wasn't there a rumor recently that there might be two iPhone launches, a September one with, um, I get mixed up in the different flavors of 5G, but the weaker version of 5G in September, and then the, the problem we all want, the fast MM wave, uh, one right. December, January. I don't know how strong that rumor was, and I haven't heard it since, but... If Apple's planning to release more, 
Well, and they're supposedly planning to release the iPhone SE2 or maybe the iPhone 9, whatever they call that, in the next couple of months. Yes. Again, how the supply chain has been constrained with coronavirus, maybe that would be delayed into the summer. But I can't imagine them not releasing any version of an iPhone in the fall. I mean, that would be, of, of all the kinds of impacts to their bottom line, yes. you, know, yes. uh, you know, production delays and, you know, devices being out of stock for a few weeks is one thing, but to not have the device that so much of their profit comes from, I, I can't imagine they delay that. And so that, that's why I think if anything happens to WWDC, it's going to be, worst case scenario, live stream of the keynote. I can't imagine they would do it without a live audience, you know, the, without uh, live applause. I feel like a, an yes. Apple keynote would not have the same feeling. And so no. I think at, at the very least, only Apple employees, maybe some very select press that they somehow check beforehand. Uh, but I think a live stream is going to be the least we get, but I can't imagine that they do nothing. And, uh, you know, with the rumor of ARM Max, mm. and, you know, after talking with Andrew last week, that would have to be a transition that may they even allude to, at least, this WWDC. I have to imagine, again, that something will be said at this keynote. And so, uh, at least a live stream, in my opinion. I know that all of the developer sessions are filmed, and after, I can't remember if it's weeks or months, but you get to see, or if you have a developer account, you can see all of the videos. Um, I could conceive of those being streamed to developers only just released faster than normal but then there's still the hands-on sessions developers working with apple engineers right uh especially you're right on something as big as arm you want somebody in the room you can right. talk to about this that's fascinating I, I was actually due to be in china in may and i thought the big problem was that my holiday was cancelled but i think wow. there was bigger ramifications yeah absolutely and and actually here in the states i'm actually in florida and we now have three cases of coronavirus there's been multiple cases in new york mm. and several deaths in washington state and so it is not uh you know affecting just one country or even one state it is a uh, Kind of everywhere. Actually, Florida declared a state of emergency uh, at the beginning of the week after the cases came out. So, so we'll see. You know, we're following. Listen, wash your hands, everyone. <laughs> Often, yeah. you know, is is the wisdom uh, to do now, and you know, covering your mouth and just taking the the necessary precautions. Uh, not to be an alarmist, of course, but you know, as these companies are saying, an abundance of caution is not uh, out of the question. I have to say this because you're in Florida, I'm in the UK. I'm quite close uh, to Stratford and the mm -hmm. uh, Royal Shakespeare mm. uh, Theatre there. And a friend who works there has been uh, circulating this, uh, a graphic that looks like a typical health thing of showing how you rub your hands when you're washing. But each mm. caption is, is, of course, from Macbeth of out damn spot. Right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's really well done. So. Oh. Yes, and that's, you know, it's so interesting on social media. You have the, the far opposite sides where you have these memes and gifs kind of making the jokes about yeah. the entire situation. And then you have the, you know, the genuine uh, fear. And, uh, you know, I think for everyone, it's just good to be in the middle. You know, enjoy the memes, take the cautions, but uh, uh, not to be an alarm just yet. Well, let's move on to some of the rumors that came out this week. Uh, Ming-Chi Kuo had some other rumors specifically about a new 14.1-inch MacBook Pro that would be releasing soon, presumably with the new style keyboard and some of the updates that this 16-inch saw recently. 
also an iMac Pro and Mac Mini coming this year. What if any uh, MacBook Pro do you prefer, William? Do you like the larger size, smaller size? Do any of these interest you? Oh, a long time ago, I had a 17-inch PowerBook as my only machine, and I love uh, it. And I've still got it in the office somewhere, but <laughs> barely movable. Maybe I'm just weaker. No. <laughs> it was a large I, machine. I do remember thinking, when before the, the 16-inch Mac Pro, came out um the 13 inch one was like the go-to machine if somebody asked you what to buy and they didn't already know they needed a lot of power or they hadn't said their budget was fine that was the one that was the best machine for the best price for most people and then the 16 came out and obviously that's a sort of awful lot more money but there was this the promise of the new keyboard and i think I think the keyboard problems uh, have been over-exaggerated, and I think we're still too soon to know whether the 16's new keyboard has really fixed it all. But still, I would hesitate over buying a 13-inch one, thinking that Apple was likely to bring one out now. So a new keyboard, a bigger screen in the same, uh, very nearly the same chassis size, and probably the same price. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one I lust after is the 14.1-inch MacBook Pro. Especially if it comes in blue. Ah, (laughs) it's been a long time since Apple did anything besides uh, aluminum. Yes. You know, I I remember back to the black 13-inch MacBook. Oh, yes. uh, That was was a unique look. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people always love to hope, they hope for colors, you know, when Apple releases new products. So we'll see. Yeah. But uh, that 14.1 inch definitely looks like it would be attractive. And they also, the rumor is that there'll be a new screen technology, maybe premiering in this 14 inch and then moving through the line, maybe even a refreshed 16 inch, not even a year into it being released, but that it moves to a mini LED screen technology. And it would be a miniaturization of like backlighting and would just be a better screen technology overall that it might come across the line of iMacs, MacBook Pros, and even all the way down to iPads. So I'll be curious to see uh, how that turns out. I actually just recently got a 16-inch MacBook Pro, uh, one of the newer models, and so <laughs> it would be a little frustrating if they were update the, <laughs> the yes. display in the next couple months. But uh, we'll have to see. I mean, their displays are gorgeous right now, so I'll actually see how much benefit it brings. But the iMac Pro, too, you know, it's been... Yeah. So at least a year and a half to two years between the, the last iMac Pro model was refreshed. And so that definitely would be good to see a refresh and the Mac Mini. Uh, that's actually a really flexible machine. And uh, I use it in several use cases at work. So I'd be curious to see about that. Yeah, I always used to say that the iMac was the best Mac ever made. I think that, mm. especially the 27-inch model of the screen, I think it is the perfect Mac. And I swapped from a 2012 iMac to a 2018 Mac Mini. And mm. I actually, I miss, uh, my iMac was pre-Retina, and I still miss that monitor compared to the one I have now. So, mm. yes, yes, I want... MacBook and iMac, so let's let's uh, sort that out then. <laughs> right. And there's also a rumor that there's a 12.9-inch iPad Pro coming with the mini LED screen, but maybe not a smaller size iPad Pro. And again, the, the rumors are unclear here. So I'll just state I use the 11-inch iPad Pro, and I would really hope they keep that smaller size Pro because I, I vastly prefer using the larger laptop I like having the smaller size iPad for portability and and use cases. So hopefully they'll keep that 11-inch. 
But uh, well, yeah, we'll see if this mini LED comes to the 12 and mm. maybe possible 12.9 inch iPad Pro soon. Do you have an iPad that you enjoy or prefer? Oh, yes. Uh, for quite a while, I had an iPad Air and the original 12.9 iPad, and it was great. I would work on one, read off the other, and then uh, my mom wanted an iPad, so I loaned her my iPad Air, and mm. uh, so last I saw her that one. Uh, <laughs> right. I'd still love the 12.9, I think, especially for something like uh, OmniFocus, the to-do app. You feel like oh, your yes. hands are in the app. It is great, except my iPad is now uh, just old enough that it's starting to go wrong. There are small parts of the screen that no longer accept a touch. I have to rotate the iPad to tap oh. the corner of uh, things. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Clearly, I need a new iPad, new iMac, new MacBook. Right. That's what I, that's, <laughs> yes. So. Justification, however it comes. Yes. There was also this rumor that Apple might release a new smart keyboard with a trackpad. And this is something where in iOS or iPadOS now 13, Apple released the accessibility option of using mice with an iPad. And it's a little... Um, janky, you know, it's not really made for it, but they allow you to do it. But I thought this was interesting. And, you know, if you follow Federico Vitici and uh, those guys over at Mac Stories, they're all about, you know, iPad lifestyle, iPad for everything. And so this would be a curious move to really lean into that and actually include a trackpad with an iPad smart keyboard. I'm not sure if I would have use of that. But uh, a curious change. Uh, how do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, just that I don't want it. I mean, if anybody <laughs> else does, that's great. But uh, an iPad is an iPad. To me. I, the all in on the iPad, I'm fine with that. I just don't need it to be a Mac and the iPad and the Mac and the iPad. I'm very fine with them being totally different and as interoperable as they are. Uh, I just, I have never tried to find a trackpad when I'm using my iPad. I have occasionally tried to touch the screen on my Mac out of habit from it and things right i don't think ios is built for it i think it's great that apple has included the accessibility option for it but i think they did that literally for the accessibility options and the fact that it's been used by other people as well uh, it's it's too clunky to be a, a deliberate policy for everybody so maybe if they fix it they'll also fix my mind and change my idea about it but right now I don't find it a necessary, it's not a compelling purchase for me, Right. I, even as an iPad fan. But I would say with all these rumors, you know, if you're looking at buying a new Apple laptop or desktop, definitely wait. You know, I would f for sure hold off as long as you can with all these rumor changes coming out in the next month or two. Again, there were the rumors of the March Apple event. You know, who knows the fate of that with the coronavirus? They might just yeah. do all the press, you know, the press release launches and put all the products out there uh, without any kind of event. But I would certainly hold off, you know, iPhone, Apple Watch. We know those are in the fall, but uh, iPad, Mac, iMac, iMac Pro. Definitely uh, hold off as long as you can, because there might be some updates coming to those very soon. You've probably heard of tons of VPN providers out there, and I've used several of them myself. But I would like to tell you today about my favorite VPN service. It's one that I've been using for months now, and it's ExpressVPN. I think it's the best on the market. ExpressVPN has your security and privacy as its top priority. First of all, ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. If you've used other VPN services, maybe even some free ones, a lot of times they might log your data and give that to ad companies. ExpressVPN never does that. 
They actually have a special technology called Trusted Server, and it makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. Second of all, if you have used a VPN service in the past, you know sometimes they can make your device slow and your connection to the internet spotty, maybe not able to even stream things smoothly. ExpressVPN is blazing fast. It's not going to slow down your connection. Internet speeds stay blazing fast. Even if I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can stream HD quality videos with zero lag. And ExpressVPN is super easy to use. You install the app on your phone. You don't have to input or program anything. Just open the app, click one button, and you're connected to the VPN. Incredibly easy. Anyone can do it. And it's not just us. TechRadar, The Verge, CNET, and many other rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN in the world. And you can get it on your Apple devices, including iPhone, iPad, and the Mac. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use our link expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider. And you'll find that link to show notes. You can just click and get this awesome deal. Once again, that's expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode. Would love to touch on one of your editorials, William. You had talked about Apple services, and this uh, editorial came out over the last weekend. And uh, it was kind of just speculating on where Apple is now with services and where they're going. And so maybe you can just give us uh, some bullet points about your feelings about where they will be going in the near future. The kickoff for it, the original impetus was this realization that 2019 was was the year of services for Apple. Mm-hmm. Beforehand, they were a hardware company that did some services. Now it's it's as close to being a service company that does hardware as ever. It's like it's suddenly changed. Mm. I, on in reflection, on reflection, I'm surprised they launched everything in one go for I mean one go across one year. Right. And we were just wondering what could possibly come next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got off into all sorts of things thinking about this. So how do you actually define a service? Because you can imagine Apple doing more health things, but is health a service? Um, mm. Not sure. They've covered music. Everything you would traditionally think of, they've kind of covered. Except actually, might worthily on apple insider pointed out we know there's a car coming that just there cannot not be a car company coming after all of the uh regulatory filings as well as rumors mm. uh what could apple use on top of that other than just a car to sell people and uh transport services ride sharing and that seems like it really fits in with apple's kind of ethos as well i mean they already have um apple buses um they're not driverless, they're not anything like that, but they're routes for staff, like many big corporations do. They encourage public transport, privately owned public transport, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It feels like a, a clear extension that would require the car and an app. And if anybody can do an app for the Apple car, I think it's Apple. That one, I think, is coming. I'm just really curious to know what else. What's left? There are no more worlds to conquer for Apple, mm. really, except fashion. Uh, right. <laughs> right. And we'll have to see, you know, Apple TV, again, this being just the first months, really, into Apple TV, yeah. you know, remains to be seen if they can conquer that. You know, obviously, they had some critical acclaim in, like, the morning show and stuff like that, but it definitely remains to be seen how their future goes. You know, the amazing stories coming out soon. We'll see about that. I honestly would hope they get back to some of the 
basics of services. And, you know, I was actually helping a family member set up a new iPhone 11. They just got it. And they had not been playing for iCloud storage up until this point. And I had forgotten how little iCloud storage you get for free uh, with your iCloud account. I believe it is five gigabytes. Yes, that's right. Is the free storage. And and that's something where Apple has made such an effort to put everything in the cloud. You know, everything from messages, your photo library. And it's great if you choose to pay it. I spring for the two terabytes and I share it across a family and it's great because I know all my devices are backed up and photos are backed up. But for someone who is not technically inclined, uh, there's still confusion as to what is the storage on my phone as opposed to the iCloud storage. And when I get a message saying your phone is full, you know, I find the average user still is not sure how to differentiate between is my physical phone storage unable to take a photo or is my iCloud storage uh, not full? So I would love to see them continue to refine these services and also maybe give some iCloud storage or, or raise that free tier uh, so at least people can back up their devices going forward. They could start by finally bringing out uh, iCloud shared folders that they've been promising since iOS right. 13 and Catalina. That was a kicker for me because I, I use Dropbox and iCloud. I would like to use just one, mm-hmm. but I have to share folders with different people I work with. Yes. So I use Dropbox a lot. And actually, you say that about um, people who aren't technically minded. I get thrown by iCloud because I have, unfortunately, many, many Apple IDs, and I right. will find one machine not backing up to the other. I lose track of what's where terribly. So yes, more iCloud space, please. Make it easier to use and let us combine Apple IDs. That's all. That's all I want. (laughs) Those would be helpful services. Now, I do have an Apple card, which you touch on in the article, and and I have found uh, several times that I've used it that service is great. Uh, You know, managing your card from the phone, I feel like they Mm. handled that really well. It's useful. The cash back when you purchase Apple products uh, is great. And so, you know, kudos to them for that rollout. I was curious, do you or have you tried uh, Apple News Plus, the subscription service there? Yes. I, because I have multiple Apple IDs and one of them's American, I actually I tried the trial when it first started in the States so I could write about it for Apple Insider. And I liked it a lot. But on that particular account, I'm not able to subscribe to anything else. I can't add funds to it. So I had to lapse it after the trial, wait until it came here. And I had so enjoyed the American one, I immediately signed up for it and i found somehow it's not that there are very many different titles but i it felt a little lacking here mm. and at the end of the month i paid for the first one i think i actually i've gone as far as three months but i realized after a bit i just wasn't using the plus side as much as i had been using the free side while waiting for plus right. so i cancelled the plus thing and uh it's actually decimated my use of news now because um it hasn't Mm. accepted the fact that i no longer have this subscription it keeps recommending things Mm. for it and so over and over most of my feed is stuff that i cannot read without paying and it used to be that i could read so much i i'd like a reset button somewhere please but it's put me off in general yeah one thing we thought in the uh services thing is that ever more likely it seems that apple will someday do a one price subscription that covers apple music apple tv and all of these things and Mm. i would actually very much like them to do that in part because i would take it on to get apple news plus back it's not good enough to make me sign up on its own when i want to spend it on other services but if it's part of something 
I'd be very keen to go back to it now. What, what do you think? Is, are you a regular user? I, no, I, I tried the free trial and didn't find that it brought a ton of value. And then when I canceled it, or I'll still go into the news app just to see, you know, what's in the news. And, and now I find a little bit of frustration because some articles are Apple News Plus only, but there's no distinguishing marks when you're just scrolling in the main news app. So sometimes you can click on our article and read it fully. Mm. And other times they say, you know, subscribe to read this in, in something else. Sometimes it's subscribe to the Wall Street Journal to finish reading this article. And so I, you know, I don't know if there could be an easier like, hey, here are the free articles or the non-paywalled articles. And, you know, and here's the Apple News Plus, like here's what you would get if you subscribe again. So yes. that part is is a little frustrating, but I don't have a desire to resubscribe to that specifically, but I definitely would, like you were saying, if there was an all-in-one uh, encompassing subscription, you know, I already pay for iCloud. I would pay for Apple TV Plus uh, if I didn't even have the free trial, you know, which we all have it for a year probably, most of us at least, who's bought a, a piece of Apple hardware. So we'll see uh, how that goes after the free trial, but I would do that all-in-one subscription uh, for sure. Mm. I found it interesting. You mentioned in your article about the exclusive podcasts idea. Yes. And now this is something that many services are doing now. Spotify has exclusive podcasts. Luminary uh, came out with their app and they have exclusive shows. And so this is very interesting, not something that Apple has ever done before. But if they were to have exclusive shows, I think that would be very interesting. But also, would they then release an Apple podcast app for Android and encourage other users to subscribe, you know, encourage Android users to subscribe to Apple podcast service. You know, they do have this for Apple music. You can get the Apple music app on an Android device and subscribe there. So I'd be curious, uh, and Apple TV plus, uh, also you can get on smart TVs without an Apple device. So I'd be curious if they open up the Apple podcasts app as an app across platforms for people to have access to those exclusive podcasts what do you what do you think about that whole exclusive podcast idea i actually forgot that uh, apple music was on android of course it is and why wouldn't it be i just i don't like the idea of apple that founded podcastry i mean it didn't but it made the usual thing with apple they popularized, it popularized. They created the name even that they are all podcasts everywhere is great. The fact that others are coming in and offering podcast developers uh, more information, useful services, fine as a podcast creator, uh, just locking me out of what used to be. It feels like it diminishes Apple Podcasts to me mm. um, rather than creating an exclusivity. It's reducing them to the states of uh, all the others of vying for my attention instead of letting me dabble around. Yeah, and and I'll be honest, I actually agree. I don't like the idea of exclusive podcasts. You know, I think podcasts, you know, being supported either by sponsors or directly from listeners a la Patreon and and maybe you get bonus content from shows because you support them on Patreon or some other service. Yeah. I find those models much more conducive to a a free world of podcasting where it is open and then there's not custom standards, you know, because that's one of the big things in the podcast world is Companies like Luminary and Spotify can then do dyna dynamic ad insertion yes. to their podcasts, meaning, you know, as you're listening to the podcast in the Spotify app, the ad, the ad read may change from one week to the next and would allow both sponsors and 
podcast producers to keep even old episodes up to date with advertising. And so I see the benefit there. There would obviously be more tracking and analytics because that's one of the things that have been historically difficult with podcasts is getting good data. You know, are people skipping the ads or not? Are people listening all the way through? When do they stop listening? That data is not really available readily. And so, you know, this whole world of dynamic ad insertion and podcasts locked into a specific app, it leads to that, which there's some benefit, but I'm still on the side of leave podcasts open, leave it on open standards, and let's not start the walled gardens of podcasts because it's still, I just love the form and the whole medium. And so anything that will not close it down, uh, let's seek those, seek to keep it open. I was actually trained in BBC Radio uh, for it was radio in the UK. It's very different uh, in the States. Uh, speech Things you hear on good podcasts now are the sort of things we get all the time on BBC Radio 4 mm. in particular. And that model is, is so good and so compelling. And the fact, my compliment I would give a podcast is that it's good enough to go on BBC Radio. And there, there are so many that are. It's like this new, it's a return to a form I know very well, but done so much broader in so many more topics. And uh, I don't like the idea of anything chipping away at that. Right. Yes, I agree. Well, get some quick articles in here at the end. There was an article here about um, an iPhone that Disney returned to its owner two months after the owner had lost it. it, spent two months underwater, and it was mailed back to the owner fully functional, fully functional after that long of being underwater. I just thought this was an impressive point of information for the newest iPhones and their waterproofing. So, or not waterproofing, excuse me, water resistance to the IP68. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was a uh, pretty incredible. That's wonderful. I, I'm going to, all right, I confess, it's only you and me talking. I did once drop my iPhone down a restroom facility mm. um, and it survived mostly. Uh, I'm, so I'm very pleased that my iPhone 11 Pro is water resistant, but I am never going to test it. So right. hearing a story like this, as well as because there are pictures on there that have been taken before and the family's now got them right. back. I mean, a great, well done, Apple. I mean, seriously, well done, Apple, but also yes. good on Disney for having scuba divers right. stuff out. <laughs> Absolutely. And maybe the days of uh, putting your phone in bags of rice will be past us yes, pretty soon. That's, that's what I did. I did exactly that. Right. Yeah. Not convinced that helped, but you do it, <laughs> don't you? That's it. Another quick article, Apple unveiled its best shot on iPhone night mode photos. You know, they release periodically, you know, best shot on iPhone. And this one was particularly for night mode shots. And as always, it's just incredible images that people manage to get out of the iPhone, uh, some great scenes of, you know, snow landscapes at night and these little towns at night. So just uh, wonderful pictures. I encourage you to check it out in show notes and see some of these photos and uh, try some yourself. You know, if you have not used night mode, it's uh, it's always impressive whenever I remember to use it and, and use it well. Yeah. I w just after I got my phone, I went to an event and uh, it was at a gorgeous chateau place. I, got, I was working somewhere else, got there incredibly late at night. And as I'm walking up to this brightly lit, uh, beautiful, um, converted monastery even, I turned around and I took a shot of the uh, the car park behind me. Yeah, help me find the car. And then I looked on the screen of my phone. It was like broad daylight in there. Suddenly all these trees that you could not mm. see with the naked eye were filling the frame. I walked straight past something like that. So it was spooky, um, but nowhere near as good a photograph as any of these, I've got to say. 
Right, right. Well, but definitely try. It's awesome, amazing photos uh, that people get out of the iPhone. And finally, I wanted to touch on this. Uh, Laureen Powell Jobs uh, did an interview recently. And, you know, it's always interesting to kind of get some insight into Jobs' life. You know, I've read several of the biographies and, you know, it's always interesting the, the oeuvre around Steve Jobs and, and how he worked. You know, it's incredible. I don't know if you do this too, but sometimes I'll go back and watch some of the old videos of Steve Jobs, you know, talking about yeah. wireless technology in the late 80s and, and just the incredible finger on the pulse that he had of what things would be even 10, 20 years in the future. Yeah, there's the one, there's the uh, the fireside chat when he comes back, just has to come back to Apple and he's talking to developers and yes. he's basically brutally letting them down uh, about um, <laughs> open dock and things. And he talks about this nice speech of uh, how many times have I backed up in the last few years? None. Mm. And he talks about why. And he's describing then, you know, what, 96, 97, things that a lot of us don't have yet for it uh, but he knew we all would and it's yeah it's it's really an impressive guy i mean i wouldn't like to have been the one married to him but i think he was a very impressive guy <laughs> absolutely and you know watching that original iphone keynote from 2007 is it's just a master class in communication yeah you know how to give a keynote in in marketing and so uh you know if you have not seen that in a while it's 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 always fun to pull it up and and just watch him work it was always impressive yeah so check out the article in show notes and you can find links to the full interview uh, in the new york times uh, with loring powell jobs but william thanks so much for joining me this week we'll have you on again soon and if people want to contact you or tweet at you how can they do that Oh, please do. I'm on Twitter as W Gallagher and on email as William at AppleInsider.com. That's wonderful. And you can tweet at me at Stephen Robles or email me Steve at AppleInsider.com. All our contact info and links to all the articles we talked about today are in the show notes. I encourage you to check those out. You can even click the chapter artwork as you listen to the show, and that will take you to the links that we're talking about as you hear it. And we'd love to hear your feedback on the show. Again, you can tweet and email us or leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate your feedback there as well. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week.